I'm Chris. I'm James. And this is the Telltale Tapes. So, Brady, where are you uh, where, where are you from originally? I come from a small town in New Zealand called uh, Nelson. Nelson. It's the. Uh, it's got lots of uh, vineyards. Good Sav Blanc. <laughs> is, is it named after the Admiral? It, it is, yeah. Is there any, like, is there a column? There's a, there's a, we have a national park they call it Abel Tasman. It's named after him. It's called what? Abel Tasman? Abel Tasman. Abel Tasman. What, is that a person? Yeah, he's a guy, he was, one of, he was on a boat. <laughs> That's, you know, we, everyone who's in New Zealand was on a boat at some point. We learn a lot of history in New Zealand, you know. <laughs> so he was on a boat, and then there was a guy called Nelson... Nelson came about. Oh, that's that's literally as much as I know about it. So how how big's Nelson? I think, like all in all, they like they try cram it in. You know, like they try like add all the other things that are surrounding, and they're like, yeah, we're ninety thousand strong. It's like, but it's not. It's a lie. It's basically thirty or forty thousand. Like, so um, what was it like growing up there? What what was the what was the most exciting thing in Nelson? Most exciting thing in Nelson, Jesus, getting out of there, really. <laughs> like, no, Nelson's beautiful. Um, it's a really beautiful town, but I think growing up as a creative person in New Zealand is tricky. It's four, there's four million people in New Zealand. Everyone's obsessed with the rugby. Everyone's obsessed with all with the All Blacks. So if you're, we don't really have any like role models for men who are. Who are creative, you know? It's like is Edmund Hillary, he was like the first to climb Everest. And then this all blacks. And that's basically it. So it was creativity almost seen as like It's sort of a bit it's a bit feminine, yeah. It's like I like I went to boarding school and it was like unless you were good at rugby you better be academically smart. And I wasn't that either because I'm just not a smart person, as you guys know. So, <laughs> so like, you know, the, the third one was, like, creative, which was basically the same as being homeless. You know? <laughs> but, so I was basically homeless <laughs> for most of my life. But were you not... I was treated as a homeless person. Were you not... Uh, like, did you not try sports? Because you're, you're a big bastard. Like, could you not? Yeah, I tried rugby, not? but I'm not good at sport. I don't know what happened. I just didn't get given that gene. Like, I can't catch. I look silly when I run. <laughs> like, there's just no, it's just not my country. Because, I mean, like, if you were lining up in front of me doing the hacker, I'd be like, that guy looks like a prop. Like, <laughs> I think, like, I took away the seriousness of the hacker, you know? Everyone else was just, like, dead, like dead serious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, boo! <laughs> um, I remember, yeah, in my rugby team, my best mate Rolls, we were pretty, uh, we were an all right team. We were like in the thirds at like a big rugby school where rugby was, yeah, super serious. And um, we had this captain, oh fuck, Tom Root. And he was, you know, he was a nice dude, but you know, he was, he was a bit awkward. And he tried to give us this serious, like, come on boys, team talk. And Rolls would just undermine him by going fake serious, by going, yeah guys, this is gonna be great. And Rolls is tiny. <laughs> and then uh, Rolls became like our kind of weird mascot because we, uh, there was one game where he got concussed and we didn't notice. 
for about 10 minutes. And uh, he was full back, so he was quite a way behind everyone else. And I turned around at one point and I saw him talking to the post. And I'm like, Rolls, are you all right? And he's like, I'm fine, you're fine, let's play. <laughs> and they were like, okay, he's concussed. They took him off and apparently they took him back to try and put him in the shower. And he was going, why are you putting me in a cage? <laughs> Screaming. And then he was out for like, they didn't let him play for like two months. And when he came back, he played for about 15 minutes and broke two fingers. <laughs> uh, poor lad. <laughs> so, um, so who is like who is your friendship group then at school? If you were this, okay, I had a weird friendship group because I had this boarding school, right? I love boarding school. I know, like in a lot of countries, boarding schools like it's like oh, you went to boarding school, all that stuff. It's like nah, boarding school was awesome. I grew up with like eight sisters, so like having like all of a sudden like forty brothers was awesome. So they were sort of my friendship group in the same way that. A brother would be like they yeah. beat you up and tell you that you're stupid and that sort of thing and like <laughs> flip your bed at night. But it was so exciting. It was like, oh my god, I'm going to sleep. It's like I'm past what's past my bedtime. Every night was like a sleepover, you know. And then like flip your bed and it's like, ah, oh, you guys love me, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like so that was awesome. But like honestly, like friendship group, like most of them, it was a small school. It was like 300 people, you know, and most of them were good at sport. And I think the two like closest friends I had were the were the musicians. Like there was one guy that sang, <laughs> and and this like uh, Sri Lankan guy Suresh, who I'm still friends with now. He's a legend. He's like he's a dentist, of course, but like like he went on to do great things. <laughs> and he was the drummer, and he used to like put like toilet. He was so cautious right from the like. Right from when he was young, he used to put like toilet paper in his ears to protect his ears. And then there was me and this guy Tim, and we used to just waste our our youth basically inside, like making really like emotional <laughs> uh, like rock music. I don't know. I don't know, man. It doesn't. Know. There's no way to glam it up, you know. Like I was a loser, basically. I was a loser. I wasn't good at sport, and then that was it. So what? 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 In your heads, what band were you trying to be at this point? Okay, at that point, I was super into fucking Deftones. I love Deftones and like Corn, Limp Biscuit, like those guys. Like, <laughs> And but we weren't allowed to swear because it was a Presbyterian school. So when we were like, you know, when you did a drop, do you remember like Limbiscuit? Like when they'd be like, yeah. back the fuck up, you know, that sort of shit. We would be like, back the truck up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we would drop our songs. <laughs> like, because we had to play, like, the only shows we got were like for school events, you know? It was like, yeah, so I don't know. Those are my friends, I guess. Um, so, um, what, what, how old were you when you started boarding? I think I, I was about 14 or something. And is it, so I was, my mum, I, I was in Wellington. I lived with my mum and my stepdad and I was just a, I was just such a fucking little shit. Like I was the worst teenager you could have like yeah, I used to I like sneak out to- <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know if much has changed at all but I don't huff air freshener anymore you know like, we used to get air freshener and put like a towel over it and like breathe in the butane and then just like be mental and it's like now that I look back at it it's like okay I was 
13. That's way too young. That explains so much, you know, (laughs) like my brain doesn't work as well as yours guys does. (laughs) 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 Could I have said that sentence any better? (laughs) 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 But uh, like, yeah, so I was a little shit and then... They just had enough. My parents literally could not handle it. They were just like, no, nah, can't, can't handle that. I'm going to boarding school. But there was a waiting list for boarding school. There's only 40 rooms. And so I had to live with this priest for like two months. Oh. And I had to live with the school priest and like no, no rapey stuff or anything. Like that's a full disclaimer. But like it was fucking insane it was not what i was used to like i thought my parents were conservative but like even just going to church like every sunday and like they like loving it like the kids loved it and oh, i don't know and the kids were the weirdest they, they were the most fucked up people that i've ever met like, at that age they opened my mind you would never expect that like the kids of like a priest to open your mind, but they were the most fucked up people. Like this kid. Wait, the priests have kids? Yeah, okay, so it's different. It's like Presbyterian, so there's different levels. It's not like there's like Catholic priests and then there's right. Presbyterian, there's, you know, so there's some priests that are like, yeah, I'm married, and then there's yeah. some priests that are like. Jesus lets me get my dick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's the kind, like, I guess they were the cool, <laughs> kind of <laughs> laid back, like hipster religion, Christianity sort of thing. I'm picturing their like, you know, the like recruitment videos of like the priests being there, just like, <laughs> like a strip club, like, make it rain, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Th- this kid, I had to share a room with him for a couple of months while I was on the waiting list for the boarding school. And he had like a, an insane collection of porn, like, and bad, like, bad music. I can't believe I'm saying bad music. It's not bad music. It was, like, System of a Down and, like, Tool and stuff. Oh, so when you say these kids were, 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 were really crazy, you mean, like... They were, like, their... I thought you meant they were, like, hardcore conservative, but they weren't. They were, like... The no, they, they were when they were in front of their dad. So they go to the yeah. church and they were, like, ha, 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 you know? And yeah. then when it was, like, behind closed doors, it was, like, check out this. And it was, like... <laughs> Like grannies being shat on and all the like, I don't know where I don't know where you find this magazines, but it was like I wasn't like I thought I was bad. Like yeah, I'd have to bit of butane, but like I I didn't know that that thing existed, and it was this uh, priest's kids that introduced me to that life, and I never looked back. You know? <laughs> my relationship with my grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but <laughs> yeah. What was the question again? I think what what how old were you when you started? Yeah, I was thirteen. Okay. <laughs> and, um, so did you, you? You're a musician now. Did you know pretty early on that that's what you were going to do? Well, I wasn't good at sport and I wasn't good at smart stuff. So when I saw smart stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! This is really bad. Like it's it's like. Obviously, it's taken on like a whole new meaning for me now. But I think, do you know what? This is really embarrassing. The first thing that made me want to like learn an instrument was I just saw this guy. He was the cool guy at school. He had long hair, which is fucking badass, right? And then he was sitting there playing guitar and there was just like 12 girls around. I'm just like, oh my God. It was probably, I don't even know if Wonderwall was out then, but if it was, he was playing that song, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I feel or like, or maybe like, before it was written what's that, yeah. like, Room Full of Asher or Broom Full, of, full Asher? of Asher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's probably exactly. playing that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's probably playing that song. <laughs> and, you know, I was, even I was a bit smitten and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up the guitar. 
and it was like the only thing I did. Once I start, once I got my first guitar, I got it on my 12th birthday, and I just never left my room. I was just that was all that <laughs> just consumed me. Like I, I never did anything else after that. My entire life changed from my 12th birthday. It was crazy. <laughs> When was, when was your first gig outside of school? Um, we did this thing called the Smoke Free Rock Quest. It was like sponsored by New Zealand's like the Smoke Free Society, like to stop smoking. You don't need to smoke to be cool. You can be in a band, <laughs> and uh, which is bullshit. Actually, it's actually bullshit. You do need to smoke to be cool. But uh, <laughs> in New Zealand, that's how you get the ladies. But <laughs> <laughs> we did that and we won it and that was a huge that was the first like holy win, shit like did you win we, like a year's supply of Marlborough I don't <laughs> 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 like you get like some free recordings and that sort of thing and uh yeah it was awesome that was the, that was the first show that we did that wasn't like a school show and it was a small town and man that was just that was the it was the first time I can remember ever having like a sense of achievement for something that I could even tell my parents about and they're like, this is a thing that like every single band in New Zealand is doing and we won it. Can you understand that like this is this is legit thing. I know I'm not an all black. I know I still can't catch a ball, but this is still kind of worth like, you know, being proud of. And that was I think that's when they uh when they started coming around, you know. Everyone wants to be fucking Know, accepted by their parents, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose so. At some yeah. level, yeah. So, so what was the what was the next step? What, what happened after you left school? After that, I got kicked out of the band. <laughs> what by, by the by the Sri Lankan drummer? Uh, well, this is no, no, no. This is a whole different band. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I just I was just off the rails. I was just an off the rails kid right up until I was like maybe like. 19. I think my first job was what sorted me out. I worked on a fishing boat in Antarctica and it was four months out at sea. You, you don't see any land or anything like that. And then it's just like, okay, boom. Do you see I any make, fish? <laughs> you, you see a lot of fish. You see a lot of fish. But it was like, it was hard work. It was six hours on, six hours off for four months. Just imagine that for a sec. Six hours on, six hours off. Six hours on, six hours off. You're in a factory boat. You're basically at prison out at What's sea. What's your like sleeping pattern? What, that, that 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 is it. It's just you try get as much sleep in what, as like you can. An hour to eat something and then yeah, like don't even back. eat in an hour. Like don't waste an hour eating. Just go and smash some food as quick as you can. Yeah. Go to sleep, 
and then that's it. And you're just doing that for four months. There's no like, but all right, chill out time. Does it become like normal? Not really, nah. It's just, nah. I don't think anyone really gets used to it. I think they just get fucking crazy, to be honest. Like, So how'd you get the job? I'm from a port town in you know, New Zealand. Yeah, and it was like, nice. and you just turned up and they're like, you're, you're big, you're a big guy, so get on board. Uh, yeah. But here's something, here's a crazy story, right? When I was signing my contract, they were like, all right, we obviously can't put this in the contract, but there's one guy on the boat. Like, obviously, a lot of these people are ex-convicts and that sort of thing. Um, there's one guy in the boat. We can't put this in the contract for obvious reasons, but you're, this is just a rule that goes without saying. You just don't talk to him and you don't look him in the eye. Okay. So, was his name Ahab? <laughs> I do you know what? I can't even remember his name, but he he was in prison and he got his eye stabbed out. And he was the biggest... Oh, so not like you can't look him right, like you genuinely can't look him right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't, but he, you know, short man syndrome, right? Yeah. Okay, this guy was gigantic and had short man syndrome. It was weird, <laughs> like, it was fucking weird. And so when you're sitting there eating, he would sit there and he'd be like, you looking at my eye? And you're just like, no. He would try and make you look at his eye. He would try and make you look at it. And you're you fucking looking at my eye. And you're just not, you're just like eating your food. And you just want to go to bed. But he's, he's getting off on other shit. Like he just wants you to look at his eye so he can destroy you. He was the scariest guy I've ever met in my life. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know. What was the point of that story? Um, <laughs> did, did you have your own room? No, it was shared with like so it was like four people, but there's rotating rosters. So when we took room. our, yeah, he had his own room. <laughs> yeah, he had his own room. It was a crazy thing. Yeah. So I shared a room with this one guy who just like didn't change his underpants for like four months. Whoa. Like you're meeting the worst people. I mean, in his defence, you're on a boat for four months. What's the fucking point? But yeah. bring at least two pairs of underpants. You might you get know? hit by a bus, you know. That's true. Then your mum would be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I, I saw. I saw someone say, uh, someone posted up the other day that said, uh, uh, "Remember when you're getting dressed in the morning that if you die, that's how you're going to be dressed as a ghost." <laughs> <laughs> but like, what was the work like in these six hours on times? What was the, what was the work that you're doing? Like, okay, so sailboat, is it? No, it's not a sailboat. So it's a factory vessel. So it's called a deep sea trawler. And basically, yeah. what it what it is is it's, it's quite a big ship. I think it's about like sixty five feet or something like that. No, a hundred sixty five meters. Right. Yeah. So the I guess that's kind yeah. of like that's yeah. like kind of big. They're all made in Norway. All those boats, and they get sent here to New here. They get sent to New Zealand. And it's called a, a twin trawler. So it has two huge nets that basically destroy the bottom of the ocean, yeah, yeah. catch everything that's there, and then it's pulled up on this crane, dropped into a thing that's called a pound, which is basically four, yeah, four huge rooms that are like sprayed with water. Yeah. And then it's slowly, the fish just come out this little hole onto a conveyor belt and then there's a factory on the next level. So you don't siphon out the shit from the fish? Well, that's the thing is that there's a quota, right? So you can, that you, you, that you pay for a quota, you know, like the company pays for a quota for, for all these different types of fish, but there's some fish you can't get a quota for. Yeah. And you, but you're not allowed to waste anything. So like you're, you've got your, 
your like high grade fish, your hokey and that sort of thing, your ling, and then these fish that just look like dinosaurs, they're like the size of humans, and you know, it all gets processed, packed, frozen, and everything in the factory, and then put downstairs underneath, like in the bottom of the boat. In the, in the bowel? Yeah, um, <laughs> the bow- in the bowels of the ship. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a few crazy experiences. Like I got caught in this pound. We were catch- we were catching a type of fish. But the type of fish we were catching in this particular week was it was it wasn't high quality enough to to weigh, so they ended up giving me they had to give me a job. I couldn't just be like, okay, you're off the weigh station, go chill out and relax. It was like, no, we're going to give you a job that you're not really meant to do, but you have to do something because we've all got to work the same amount of hard. That's my stupidity coming in right now. <laughs> that sentence right now, I just heard it then. Anyway, get stuck in this pound. I'm not meant to be in there. No one's meant to be in there. There's just this room full of fish. They bring up this huge net. They just made a new catch. They open up the doors and this crane drops in all this fish. And it's like all of a sudden, like the water levels rising, like right up to like my chest. And I'm just surrounded in this room. Just imagine being in a room surrounded by live fish that have just come out of the <laughs> ocean. ocean. <laughs> And then this fucking Marco shark's there. Oh. And it's thrashing around. It like explodes out of this mountain of fish. And it's just thrashing, not even through the water, just down this mountain of fish, thrashing <laughs> towards me. And I'm just sp- trying to sprint as hard as you can sprint when you're in chest high water. Like, no! <laughs> like, just like, this sucks! <laughs> and like, I there's this tiny hole because no humans are meant to be in there so it's not made for a quick escape <laughs> so I finally get through this tiny little square hole fall onto the conveyor belt and eyeball that guy he's standing there and he's just like what the fuck are you doing get the fuck back in there I'm like, is I'm like I can't there's a shark in there there's a sh- bloody shark look it's a bloody mako <laughs> and he's just like looks in and he's like Oh shit! <laughs> and that's it. Like that's as excited as he's ever been. Wait, so why were you supposed to be in there? What were you going to be doing? Uh, like can, greeting can, the fish? Uh, <laughs> Hi, uh, welcome aboard. <laughs> welcome to the Amatel Columbia. <laughs> no, I'm your captain. Don't tell you what. No, it's this type of fish. It was called like black Oreo or something like that, and it was super spiky. It was like that's sand- a biscuit. <laughs> sandpaper. Yeah, it was like sandpaper. So it didn't go through. Normally, you had to kick it. Someone had to kick this type of fish because it was they just stuck together. So that was my job was kicking. I was a fish kicker. Fish kicker. Like, yeah, such a good job. Yeah, yeah, I was a fish kicker. So that's when I became a man. <laughs> <laughs> my um, my dad had this. Uh, my dad has this amazing story about his friend uh, tying neatly into your Norwegian future, which we'll get into. <laughs> So um, he was living in London and he had this flatmate from uh, Norway. So this guy uh, was getting married and um, it was his stag do. And so the tradition was he, he lived right up where Sweden and Norway almost are touching, but there's like a little bit of sea between them. Yeah. So the tradition is uh, you get drunk in the town in Norway and then you take the ferry across to the Swedish town. Um, but he, he got hammered. He got hammered and... Um, all his mates did, but he was he was too far gone. And when they got to the ferry, the ferryman is like, "No, no, that guy's not coming on. Like he's being weird. 
And Warren's going to jump in. Like, he's too drunk. He's too fucking... Even for, like, Norway fishing village 70s drunk. Like, <laughs> so they were like, okay, fuck it. It was summer. So they just lay him out, like, by the dock, like, in, you know, like some sort of wooden, wooden fishing boat to, like, sleep it off. And they're like, we'll, we'll, we'll still go. So they went across to Sweden, uh, drank in the town and came back. And uh, he wasn't there in the boat. <clears throat> and they're like, oh, okay, well, he's just wandered home or something. Then after a day, he's not there. And, you know, this wasn't, like, modern stag dudes. This is, like, you know, a couple of days before the wedding. Um, the wedding comes and goes. He's not there. They start, like, the police, like, dreg the water. They're, like, looking for a body. Um, about two weeks in, they get a telegram. <laughs> so the little, like, lifeboat they put him to sleep in had been picked up and put on a whaler. <laughs> and he'd woken up on, like, a whaling ship, like, out at sea. Yeah. And be like... Uh, yeah, where am I? They're like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, uh, you need to turn this boat around. Uh, I've got a wedding. They're like, we can't. I mean, this is like a sort of like million dollar enterprise. Like, we can't turn it around. Like, uh, you have to work on the ship now. So they were going out to like out past South, like towards like St. Helena. So it's like he, he, he had no way of getting home because like even if he takes one of the ships. Uh, that come to fuel it after like, a, I don't know, four weeks or something. Uh, he could have taken a boat, but it would have taken him back to like South Africa. And so like getting a flight from South Africa to Norway in the 70s was, you know, insane amount of money. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he basically just had to work in the galley <laughs> on the ship. And he got back after like three months and uh, his wife had married his best friend because she was so Fuck angry at him. Off. And he he basically just sold everything he owned and moved to London and never spoke to anyone again. But he was like, he was a little bit, um, you know, in hindsight, he was like, it was actually really good. Like I kind of, I was from this tiny village, but I got out, I went to see the world. I kind of saw like these islands and I saw this amazing stuff. And although it was incredibly hard work, you know, like you said, like he goes, it kind of made me a different person. And so I think he moved to London and he was way happier. But I'm like, that's oh, that's a pretty bad a, stag, dude. It's an awesome <laughs> You're right. How rough did the water get? Yeah, pretty get... rough. Okay, my first day on deck. Yeah. Okay, they like open the door. <laughs> There's no preparing either. It's not like, okay, let's do a bit of training. Let's do some safety things. All right, here are the signals to do. You know, like there's <laughs> yeah. none of that shit. It's just like they opened the door. Okay, and I still remember this like it was yesterday. Like, they opened this door, and I remember thinking that I was looking at the sky, <laughs> but it wasn't the fucking sky. It was a wave, like a turquoise blue wave that was just so high that I couldn't see the sky. It was the m most insane thing, and they were just like, oh, wait, 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 close the door, and then pff, this huge wave just comes in like, swallows like a quarter of the ship and then it's like okay try again open out then you're out there it's just like go 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 you've got to your only job is to put this hook on this net and then that's it that's basically your job but it's but the hardest thing taken away by yeah exactly and with the, these these chains that these hooks are on are like the size of my fucking legs like yeah. they're insanely heavy these other guys are just like yeah no worries and it's like yeah like, I'm not smart, but I was still the smartest one out of anyone on that ship, you know? And I knew that, and, and I just didn't want to throw it away. Like, uh, it felt like it was worth, you know, hanging on to.
So, what happened? Why did you quit the job? I met a French girl. Uh, <laughs> always the French girl. C'est classique. Yeah. C'est classique. Yeah. And what she was a land lover. She loved that land. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, no, that persuaded you to just stay. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that persuaded me. Then we moved to Melbourne together and then I became an electrician and it was a whole different life. Oh, cool. All right, so how, how, how did you become an electrician? Did you have to train for it or was it, again, just oh, no, throwing I, you out, open the door? Like, <laughs> I just like, I plugged something in and this electrician just saw me plug something in once, like plugging a kettle, I think it was. And he was just like... <laughs> I really like the way you did that. <laughs> Do you want a job? And I said, I don't really know much about the other stuff. Like, no, that's cool. Just do that this, with the same confidence. You show promise. You, yeah. yeah, you show promise. No, I did an apprenticeship for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had a Tesla vibe. Yeah, I had a real Tesla vibe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I'm literally a jack of all trades, master of literally zero. Like, not... There's nothing fancy about any of <laughs> any of my life stories. There's great stories that come from it, which is great for this right now, and great for like us hanging out in a bar and chatting. But there's nothing to really be proud of or report home about, you know. <laughs> so how did uh, how did you become <clears throat> a professional musician then? How did you end up making a living out of music? Right, I was a I was an insurance broker, and I used to have. I, I worked for this company, it was, it was called iSelect in Australia, an amazing company, it was like working for Google. They had a, like a slide that went down to a ball pit and in, in this cafe they had sleeping pods, massage chairs, all this sort of thing, it was like, it was insane, it was awesome, it was an awesome place to work. And the people were great, the CEO would come down and have water fights with super soakers and like all that sort of shit. It was. Like, this is not, like, the normal office vibe. But I still hated it. I still just knew it wasn't right for me. And I had my iPad sitting there at my desk every day playing slideshows of Norway. Just images of Norway and Iceland and that sort of thing. I don't know why. I knew nothing about this place, but I just knew it wasn't Paris or a normal touristy sort of destination. And it felt special for me. So I, for like six months while I was doing this job, I just had these images and I had like ocean sounds and shit. It was the only thing that kept me calm. I was working six days a week. So it took me four hours to get to like to and from work every day. So like four hours commuting time. I would like get up at seven o'clock. I was home by 11 o'clock at night, six days a week. My Sunday was basically sleeping in. It was like, yeah, I was making shitloads of money, but my... My life was just fucking meaningless. It had, had no meaning to it. It was like, I've got all this money. I can buy a car soon. I can stay in a nicer part of town. But I had no life. It reminded me of that guy. I, I, I can't remember his name. But he did that speech about what would you do if money was no object. Barry Manilow. No, not Barry Manilow. <laughs> not Barry Manilow. He's, I think he's a British guy. I think it might have been like a university speech or something. It's in, it's incredible. I'm, I feel stupid that I can't remember it. But oh, he, he, he just basically did this incredible speech. What if money was no object? You know? Um, what would you do? And then one day I just got an email. I was at work. I got an email from this radio station in Australia called Triple J. 
and they were like, "We've selected your song." That I just randomly recorded it over a day. So you've been you've been making music all this time. Like I've I'd always been a musician. Like I'd always been like playing music, but I'd never taken it seriously. It was like, I'm you know I need to I don't want to be fucking starving my whole life. I don't want to be like forty years old and be like I'm just waiting to send that demo to that late. You know, like I didn't want to fucking be like that. I Man, came from a family of like lawyers and stuff. You know, like yeah. I just didn't want to be like that. So I was like, you know, that's why I always tried, <laughs> tried finding something else, you know, because like every single, like, like I said I've, earlier, like I've got eight sisters, they all did law. My parents, both my parents were all lawyers. So I was like, shit, I just can't. Do you think I, it was, do you think it was drummed into you that, you know, you couldn't be a musician because it just Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It totally was. Like they, they supported me. They got me like instruments and stuff. Like I wouldn't have learned it if they hadn't paid for my lessons and stuff. So I'm grateful for that. But um, the the belief, you know, the actual yeah. belief and the understanding of whether or not I had talent or anything, they, they, they wouldn't have understand, and they still don't understand it now, you know. That's, and that's just the way life is, right? But um, I got this email and I was just like, okay, this is, this is cool. And then my song started getting played quite a bit on radio. I was like, shit, this is my dream. All right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to dedicate 12 months of my life to doing music. Just 12 months of going 100%. I might be homeless. I might be just, I know I'm going to be poor. I know I'm leaving an amazing career opportunity, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just going to do 12 months, 100% to music. And if at the end of it, nothing's happened, I'm just going to give it up and I come back and I can say that I gave it 100% for, you know, for that time took no time at all. I literally was doing this for like a few months, started making music with this Norwegian girl over Skype who I'd met randomly in Melbourne. We made one song over Skype. The next day it went viral. A week after it was signed to a label. Two weeks after that, I was living in fucking Norway. This place that I'd had on my desk for for years, like before this job, when I was a travel agent, I had Norway on my desk. Before that, when I was selling newspaper subscriptions, I had Norway on my desk. It was crazy that all of a sudden I just, Norway, it's a random place. It's not like I had like the London Eye or something <coughs> on my, you know, it was Norway. No one, no one even knows where Norway is. You know, they think it's still part now, of Sweden. Still now, no one yeah, in the world. I don't even know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I have no idea where it is, but it was incredible and it was, you can imagine that I'm not, I'm not like a big like the secret fan or any of that sort of thing, but it was an incredible. It's an incredible story because all of a sudden I'm doing something that I've always wanted to do. I'm making a living out of it, and I'm doing it in this country that I've visualized being in. You know, like it was. It was incredible. It was. You're like in- no way. Yeah, I was like no way, no way. <laughs> So after you got over um, pinching yourself, like how did you have some sort of plan for the music? Because it all seems to happen so quickly. So. Well, not really. Like it happened very quickly. I was living in this little town called Jervik, which was about two hours out of Oslo. And I was living with Anna. I didn't even, f- 
fucking know this girl. Like when I arrived at the airport, I wasn't sure if I like kissed her twice on the cheek, like France or like, do we hug or anything like that? I learned in, the, in Norway, you just don't touch. I think you stand yeah. four or five, <laughs> you just away. stand away from each other. Exactly. But like, so I live with their family. For don't look at fucking eye, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! But like, it wasn't the place for jokes or any of that sort of thing, you know. It was it was a culture shock. It was a massive culture shock. But um, I don't really know. Like I, I don't think I stopped pinching myself until recently. To be honest, the last year and a half has just been insane. Been really really lucky, and the like. The main thing is that I know that I'm lucky. And if if you got if you got like free reign now, what kind of music would you be making? I mean, the music you're making is beautiful, but like, is is this exactly what you saw yourself making, or did you end up with this kind well, of man? Like, I mean, we if we're talking about music, like we're gonna get sappy for sure. Like, I got my heart broken, and I basically wrote a whole lot of folk songs about this one girl, and they were shit. They weren't that great. They were too metaphorical. They were too deep. And then I met this girl Anna, and because she's Norwegian and then they're, they're not really deep as people and she's especially not deep. It was like No, no, but like, right, No, no, but I, I she's my best friend. Like I absolutely adore her, but because of that cultural difference that being from New Zealand and being this heartbroken fucking loser and meeting someone who's you know, who's a female for one, she's got a female perspective on things. She was like that's too deep, that's too like what does that even mean? You know, too many metaphors. It's like, your eyes are like the sun, they burn my heart. You know, like, all that sort of shit. Like, like just way, yeah, yeah, classic song. But like, way, way too deep. And like, working with her has just been so awesome because I'll have all these like, I've, I've got this real feeling sort of thing. She uh, she hasn't had her heart broken or anything, but she like she like tames it down. She's like, okay, cool, let's rein it in a little Ooh, bit. Sort of pragmatic with it. Yeah, and we just fucking bounce like that. Like we bounce off each other like that, and then it was really hard at first. It was like, no, we've got to have all this artistic integrity. It's like, yeah, but just make something simple, and then everyone can get the feeling in the same way. And I don't know, like uh, I think I think we should maybe finish by you just saying some of the things you'd like to say in New Zealand. <laughs> Which is our, this is our favourite game. <laughs> so, Brady, just pick some words. <laughs> some random words. Yep. Okay. Deceptive. Distance. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I knew you guys... Were, well, you this is the real reason you got me here. Yeah, yeah. Violence. <laughs> Baggage chicken. <laughs> Baggage chicken. <laughs> violation. Wait, couldn't you combine that to baggage chicken violation? Baggage chicken violation. <laughs> Going to say some names? Yep. Hayden. <coughs> Scott. Derek. <laughs> You realise we're going to remix this into the weirdest song ever. We're going to remix this. Deceptor. Deceptor. Violence. Derek. 
there's so many New Zealand words. Cool, I got that. That's a good way to end it. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, Brady. Thank you. Cheers. Um, that's it. That's game over. That's how that's how a podcast works. Okay. Uh, we haven't actually. It, it stopped recording like twenty minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like. see them at the Great Escape Festival. And that's been our show. This is the Telltale Tapes. Thanks for listening. Oh, and one last thing. I was trying to persuade James that, like, I've got... You know, you know when you like, talk about, like, guilty pleasures... Uh, I've got a guilty pleasure but I don't really understand oh, why it's a guilty pleasure like I've got a real soft spot for UP40 exactly. <laughs> okay that's different but no, I don't, I, like I'm just not letting him have it as well you know usually it's like I'll give a pleasure he says that's fine you know that's fine you, you, everyone's allowed to like what they like and I'm just like I'm not letting him have that one <laughs> but like so, so the thing that made me think of them this year is like my favourite song probably my favourite song of last of the last year was Because uh, I'm a Man of the new Tame Impala album yeah okay it's so yeah. sexy great song it's, it's fucking beautiful but like for me I'm like it sounds like a UB40 record like it almost exactly like it's really, really it sounds weird. like air to me yeah. it sounds like they've spent too much time in France like a good amount of time <laughs> but they've spent a lot of time in France and they listen to a lot of air but I kind of get the UB40 thing as yeah. well yeah <laughs> it's got this sort of weird like slow like grind to it and uh, his vocals oh, like and you can cause I'm a man woman biggity bum bum dad riggity biggity bum dad I feel vindicated. Yeah. Okay, cool. I got that. That's a good way to end it. Yeah.